When a machine begins to wear out or break down after years of use, the purchaser faces the question of whether to repair that machine or to instead replace it. But the decision is more than just an economic one, as the decision to repair the machine instead of replacing it can also have legal implications related to patent infringement. I'm Amy Cotman, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. The legal landscape around what constitutes a permissible repair and what constitutes an impermissible reconstruction that infringes a patent is complex and always evolving. To provide us with insight into this topic, we have Aaron Rabinowitz, a partner in the Intellectual Property Group at Baker Hostetler. Aaron has a background in chemical engineering and handles patent matters for a variety of clients, including multinational corporations and Ivy League research universities. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here. So when I think about repairing or replacing something, I usually think of that as a decision based only on cost and time. How does patent law figure into this decision? Well, that's a good question. Um, as you said, normally if something breaks or wears out, like if, say, the spring inside of a doorknob breaks, um, you have a decision to make about whether to fix that broken item or replace it. Um, that question can become a little more complicated if the item in question is patented. So if we're talking about an item that's not patented, then normally the purchaser can do whatever they want to do with it. Um, on the other hand, if the item is patented, there could be some restrictions on what the purchaser can do as far as repairing that item without also committing patent infringement. Does that mean once you buy something that is patented, you might not be able to fix it? The short answer to that question is actually yes. The general rule is that once you buy an article that's patented, like say a patented doorknob, you have a right to use that article without any restriction. And part of that right is your right to purchase unpatented repair parts and repair that patented item, for example, to replace a broken spring. But there are some limits to this because the right to repair your article doesn't go so far as to allow you to reconstruct that article. And because of this, there's often arguments over whether an action that fixes an article is considered a repair of that article, which is allowed um, and would not constitute patent infringement, or if that fixing would constitute a reconstruction of the article, um, and that sort of reconstruction would constitute patent infringement. The general rationale behind why reconstruction is impermissible is that by reconstructing an article in such a way that the article is basically made into a new version of itself, the purchaser has gotten that article for a second time, but they've only paid the patent holder once when the purchaser purchased that article for the first time. Because of this, courts have taken the position that a reconstruction is unfair to the patent holder because with a reconstruction, the patent holder gets paid once, but the user gets to keep renewing that article over and over without paying for each copy of the article that they make. You know, it's interesting to hear that once you buy something, you might not have total control or even the freedom to fix it, especially if that fix creates a new product instead of repairing an existing one. Aaron, where's the line between when fixing something would be considered a permissible repair versus when fixing something would be considered an impermissible reconstruction? That's a good question. And the line between a permissible repair and an impermissible reconstruction is a very fine one. Um, and I think maybe one way to illustrate this uh, is to look at a particular court case that shows how courts generally look at this sort of question. So in this example case, uh, the patented item in question was an industrial drill bit. 
And this drill bit included a shank or a shaft and a tip that was attached to the shaft. And this tip was made of a special carbide or a super hard material that was then sharpened to have a special patented geometry that helped the tip cut into hard products like metals and stone. And in this case, there was a company that offered a service uh, in which they would take used drill bits, remove the dull tip, attach a new tip, and then sharpen that new tip so that it had the special cutting geometry of the original drill bit. And the patent owner sued this company. And the patent owner said that this service that was being offered was not a repair of the drill bits, but it was instead an impermissible reconstruction that infringed the patent on the drill bits because it basically created a new copy of a drill bit without paying the patent holder again. And the court agreed that this sort of repair service was a reconstruction. And in doing this, the court pointed to a few facts that really helped support that decision. So one fact that was important was that although the drill bit could be resharpened a couple times to sort of extend its life, the court found that the drill tip was actually not manufactured to be a replaceable part, especially because the tip was not designed to have a lifetime that was shorter as compared to the shaft that the the tip was attached to. Uh, Secondly, the tip was not attached to the shaft in such a way that the tip was easily detachable. And this kind of suggested to the court that once the tip wore out, the entire drill bit was meant to be replaced, not just the tip. There was additional evidence in the case that the drill bit manufacturer did not intend these drill bits to be re-tipped. This additional evidence was that, first of all, the manufacturer never said in its product literature that the tips might wear out or that the tips might need to be resharpened. And also, the manufacturer never published any instructions on how to resharpen the tips. And all of these things together convinced the court that there was no evidence that the tip was ever intended to be replaceable and that the overall drill bit was meant to be discarded and a new one was supposed to be purchased in its place. So the bottom line there was that the company that was replacing the drill bits and replacing those tips of the bits and then sharpening those tips was found to infringe the patent. So we've talked about this topic from the perspective of the person who's trying to figure out whether a repair might infringe someone else's patent. But what about looking at it from the perspective of the person who holds the patent? How does the repair versus reconstruction question come up in the context of patent strategy? Yeah, this is a good question that comes up quite a bit. And it always comes up in the context of how do you write a patent in such a way that the patent covers activities that would be repairs or reconstruction. In other words, a patent that would cover really any sort of maintenance um, that someone might perform on uh, on the, the, the product that's patented. So one thing to consider is to write patent claims that cover each and every feature of the patented article um, or device, even those features that are expected to wear out. So for example, the brake pads, if you've got sort of a patent on a brake or a car or something like that, even wear parts um, should be covered in the patent claims. And by doing this, the patent holder would then have a good argument that replacing that particular feature, so the brake pads, for example, doing that sort of replacement would be literally infringing a claim of the patent because the claim would mention that particular feature. Another thing to consider is the content of the product literature that comes with the product. So for example, if the literature mentions that a particular feature of the product is likely to wear out, a court may read that as the manufacturer giving the purchaser permission to fix or repair that feature. In other words, if a feature is described as being something that's likely to wear out, the purchaser will probably be given the right to replace the thing that's intended to wear out in the first place. This is good advice. 
Where might the issue of repair versus reconstruction come up in the future? Yeah, that's a good question because these these questions will come up and they're not always going to be confined to things like drill bits and brakes. Um, in particular, 3D printing really presents some interesting issues around repair versus reconstruction. Uh, and I think as, as one example, you, know, you might consider how, how would a repair versus reconstruction apply to a 3D printed replacement part for medical equipment, such as a ventilator or something else that you might see in, in a hospital. In particular, you know, how do you address the situation of an entity, um, say it's a hospital or a medical clinic, that prints 3D replacement parts on site for its machines? Um, you know, these are complicated situations, especially when you're talking about a machine that needs to be operating at all times to, to keep patients healthy. And it seems pretty likely that there will be some situations that involve 3D printing and the repair versus reconstruction question. And these situations are going to find their way into the courts probably in the next few years. Aaron, that's an interesting issue. I guess we'll just have to stay tuned. Any last pieces of advice for those who are considering whether to repair or replace their purchased devices or machinery? Sure. There's there's really a few things to consider. Uh, one first place to start is, of course, to look at the patent claims that cover the product uh, in question to figure out whether the claims would cover the part of the product that's going to be repaired or maybe replaced. If the patent claims do cover the part that's going to be repaired or replaced, um, there's a pretty good chance that a court might decide that repairing that part uh, might be more of a reconstruction and less of a repair. And if that happens, if it's found to be a reconstruction, then that repair could be considered patent infringement. Um, another place to look, as, as we discussed, is to look at the product literature or maybe the instructions that come along with the product. Um, if these materials, the product literature and instructions, if they suggest that there's a, some feature of the product that might wear out, or if those materials explain how to repair some particular feature, then fixing that feature would probably be considered more of a repair and not a reconstruction, especially because you have the manufacturer telling the purchaser exactly how to do the repair. Um, and really, the, the bottom line is that I think for any sort of repair type work that's going to be done at a commercial scale, it may be advisable to review any patents and any product literature that's associated with the products that are being fixed. So at the end of the day, the most important thing is just to read that fine print. That was an informative discussion. And these are important considerations to keep in mind when you're considering whether to repair or replace a device, as well as when you're preparing a patent that covers something that has one or more components that could wear out. Thanks again, Aaron. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, thanks again for having me. If you have any questions for Aaron, his contact information is in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.